Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. Today we are kicking off a six-week series called Give It Away, and we're kicking it off because what we're engaging with today is we're engaging with what the body of Christ really engages with globally. If you've been around here, you know that we've pretty much always started the year with prayer and fasting, and we're going to be extending this over six weeks, and we're going to kind of kick this off today. Make sure you get a prayer and fasting guide. I'm going to be walking you through that a little bit as our, our, our response today. But as we engage in this, as we talk about this whole last of giving way in, in prayer, you know, it made me think about how, you know, everyone loves a good story. And I remember I was talking with one of my buddies who was, he was into media and marketing and, 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 and writing. And he said, Dwayne, he said, you know, he said, the people that are really going to have the greatest opportunity in the future are going to be content writers, meaning those who they can write stories or they're bringing things to. And he said, and these, these are his words, not mine. I'm not an expert in this field. But he was talking about how, he said, what we're seeing, and this was 10 years ago, and I think it's even more true now. We're seeing this, just this regurgitation, if I can say that right. That's how you say it in Canada. I'll, I'll use that for my out. Um, that we, <laughs> of just, we're kind of reusing stuff we've done, but the new story writers, the new content, all those things that are happening, you know, we're, we're not really seeing that as much as we need. So when you have content, because we all know that the movie, no matter how much money, no matter how great the actor is, if the script's bad, the whole thing's bad, isn't it, right? You know, I mean, come on, Lord of the Rings people, we need some more. Tolkien's and people in the world. That's a side rabbit hole. Don't encourage me to go down that rabbit hole. So, because there are people here who they've never seen Lord of the Rings. Guess, guess who I'm praying for. So, but as we walk through, when we when when we talk about content, there is nothing like the content that we see in the Scripture. And even so many times I've heard people talk about who they've not read the Bible, they don't know the Lord, and they see this great story in the back of my mind, I'm going, that's the gospel thread, that's the Bible, or Moses did that, or this person did that, and they're putting another actor, because when you look at the Bible, the content, it is rich, it is dynamic, I mean, some of the most epic events, and they're not just stories, I mean, these things happen, I mean, you know, Jesus walked on water, how many kayakers wish they could walk on water today, I mean, he healed a blind man, he just spoke it, uh, he had someone say, you know, my daughter is sick, and he said, Jesus, you don't even need to go there. Just speak the word, and I know that she will be healed. I mean, and she was. He confounded the wise. Uh, he spoke to his, his friend Lazarus. Lazarus, you're not going to be dead anymore. Come forth. And Lazarus came forth. I mean, this is amazing. And I think sometimes we can get so used to it that we're like, did this really happen? I mean, he fed over 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. He took one serving and just exploded it to where they had leftovers. They're, you know, they're trying to give it away because there was, there was so much there. He calmed storms and so much more and, and so much evidence. I mean, the evidence is just overwhelming, and I'm not going to dive into that today. If you want it, I will send you links because it, it is amazing. And the most amazing part of all of this is that Jesus, the very Son of God, the one who speaks and it happens, he invites you to be a part of it. He's inviting you and me <laughs> in wherever state we are. He says, I want you to be a part of it. And he kept looking at his disciples and saying, I, you know, I, I want to adopt you as children of God. I, I, I want to walk with you. I want to be alive in you. 
And to quote Jesus, I mean, this was his whole purpose. And we read this at the beginning, John 3.16, but it's worth reading again. Can you read this with me? Here's John 3.16. Let's read together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world be saved through him. And if that wasn't enough, this next scripture, it just blows my mind because Jesus is talking about how those who now follow him, he wants them to be a part of his plan of reconciling the entire world to him. And Jesus said this. Let's read this together. John 14, verse 12. Read with me. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. I mean, who wouldn't want to be a part of this? Everything that he did, he's saying, you'll do greater. Why? Because this is just the beginning. See, the economy of God is an economy of growth. And as things change and as things go, Jesus is saying, look, this is just the beginning. This is just the tip of the iceberg. Follow me, be with me, be alive in me, and you will do even greater things, not for your glory, but for the glory of God. But all of this, again, this is not an add-on. This is not a cool accessory. This is not a lightsaber, right? This is not Gandalf's staff. This is not something you just kind of add, and you're like, there's power in this. This is something where it is complete takeover of a life, where Jesus, he's the center. He's everything. That's why Jesus was very clear repeatedly, but he said it very clearly in Matthew 16, 24. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said, look, if any of you wants to be my follower, because there's a lot of confusion over what that meant. He said, you must give up your own way. In other words, a lot, uh, a lot of versions will say, you must deny yourself, right? I got to deny Dwayne, and you got to deny whoever you are. And then take up your cross and follow me. And then Jesus said very clearly in 25, he said, if you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, for Jesus' sake, you will save it. And then Jesus says, what would have benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? It's a rhetorical question. Nothing's worth more than your soul. The body's dying. It's losing hair. Right? It's gaining stuff you don't want to gain. It's losing stuff you want to keep. I mean, it's, the, the body is frail at best. But your soul is forever. This part that was made to be with God. This is what we're talking about. But it involves giving it away. And the next six weeks, this is what we're talking about. Walking in the fullness of God. Giving it away. And it is tough. We like to give parts of things away. But giving everything away... I mean, there were many who, they walked with Jesus, they saw Jesus, they saw Lazarus get up and walk out. And they still struggled with giving everything away. Some walked away sad, but some even walked away mad, and they tried to get revenge. Didn't go well for those people. Don't, don't be mad. <laughs> it did not go well for them because there's so many temptations. And that's why we're doing this series because I want to get real practical with you. How do we walk with God? How do we do this? How do we live this out? And it all begins by giving it away. And this first week, we're going to focus on prayer because giving away, it begins with prayer. So, Lord, we, 
humbly bow our lives before you today. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Can you pray that with me if that's your prayer? Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Speak to me, O oh God. Show me today and empower me to live out this life that you have for me, for my family, for my friends. Lord, for the body of Christ here at Shoreline Community Church. God, I, I, I believe our best years are ahead because, Lord, the, the fields are ready for harvest. We're surrounded with a community that needs you. God, we have family that needs you. I need you. So, Lord, your promise is to use us and empower us as we give it away to you. So we walk in that now in your name. Everyone said together, amen. So we're talking about prayer. And we're starting with prayer because prayer is an act of giving it away. That's what prayer is. When we think about prayer, prayer is an act of giving it away because prayer is, is this ongoing conversation with God, right? You know, uh, it's, it's, it's not, prayer isn't just talking to yourself, though, you know, Paul even said, praise the Lord, I tell myself. Sometimes I got to remind myself of things and do that. But, but prayer is this ongoing conversation. And in this act, as we're talking to God, we're giving it away. As we talked about last week, about giving thanks for what the Lord has done. Well, thanks is that act of giving away credit, meaning that, God, everything I'm doing, I deserve no glory for it. Thanks be to God. So I'm giving away all credit to you. When we pray, we're giving away all of our cares, all of our concerns, all of our anxiety, and we're giving it to God. How, how many are ready to do that this year, right, God? Take it all. Take it all. All my cares, all my anxiety, I'm just giving it to you, oh, God. When we pray, we're giving away all authority and all ownership of our life. Because in prayer, every time I get before the Lord, I'm saying, God, what would you have me do? Speak to me, oh God. You know, I, I, I don't want to be in charge of my life. The, the, the more I'm in charge of my life, the more I'm prone. You know, prone to wander, I feel it. I mean, prone to mess up. I want your word, your power in me. So we're giving up authority. But we're also giving away the answer because a big part of prayer is just listening. Right? We're listening and we're saying, Lord, speak to me. Show me. Speak, to your, speak through your words. Speak through other people. And we're giving up that whole answer aspect, saying, God, you know, I'm, I'm giving up the answer. What would you have me do? And then we're also giving away our actions. We're saying, God, what, what, whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it. Right? To obey is better than to just sacrifice. It's, it's, the prayer is about giving away that, that aspect of, of it's not my will, not my way, but it's yours. That was the, that was the prayer of Jesus. And this act of giving it away, it is essential because you will not, I will not experience the fullness of God in my life until I give away everything. Everything, right? It's just it's that giving away of everything because this is what the gospel is. The gospel, the good news of Jesus, it's about this great exchange. It's, it's giving up our sin through confession because as we give up our sin that out of alignment with God, he forgives us. Aren't you grateful for that? Faithful to forgive. But to do that, we got to give it up. we got to confess it. we got to throw it out. Uh, we give up our loneliness, and he gives us relationship. He gives us even friendship, Jesus said. We give up our brokenness, and he heals us. We give Jesus our weaknesses, and he gives us strength. He empowers the weak. See, forgiveness, friendship, healing, strength, all of this is made possible when we empty ourselves because as you know, if the vessel is full, there's no room for anything to go in. We know that, right? You fill this thing with water, there's no more room. God can't pour into something that's already full. 
If we want to be filled with the power of God, we need to be what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, the beginning, the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, those that they've emptied themselves. We need to just lay it out because, again, Jesus, he's not an add-on. He's not an accessory. Jesus is my life. He is a complete replacement, replacement in my life. He fills me. We need this. All-powerful, almighty, all-wise, all-loving, all-knowing God, he desires to fill you completely. And I pray that we would grasp that today. All-powerful, all-wise, all-knowing, any cares you have, you have, the, you have all the power in the universe, everything that we need. And I love what it says in Ephesians. We have all this so that through the Lord we can do immeasurably more than we could ever ask, imagine, or hope for. According to, but it's according to his work, right? Not just so I can get a higher score in Donkey Kong. I just lost you, didn't I? Right? Not just so that I can do whatever it may be. It's his work in us. We're emptied to be filled to now do his work, the work within us. And this is powerful. This is, it's mind-blowing to think about when we meditate on it, when we think about it, that when we give away, when we empty ourselves, Jesus says, I'm ready to pour. But we've got to give it away. And how is this possible? How do we do this? Well, the biblical model of how we do this, the practicality of it, it is through prayer. And that's why prayer empowers us. This is done through prayer. I mean, why do you think the enemy tries to keep you from praying? Encounter tonight, oh, I'm, I'm too tired, or I'm too this, or do that, or let's get together for prayer. Oh, I've got this going on, or why don't I do this in the morning? Oh, I don't, you know, I mean, there are so many excuses, so many reasons not to gather to, to pray, or, you know, I said something to God, he didn't really say it, you know, it didn't really work. I mean, there's, there's all of these things that, that the enemy will try to put voices in the way, because prayer empowers us. And the thing about God is that the work of God in us is only possible through the prayer of God, through the power of prayer in us. See, God's power is received as we pray, as we pray. I mean, some of the most powerful people that I've known are men and women of God who pray. I go to them, they're praying already. I have people that, as soon as I start walking to them, they're praying, and I'm not praying, oh my, here comes Dwayne. They're praying, God, fill him today and strengthen him, empower him today. Powerful people. I've walked up to people on their deathbed that were praying for me. And in that moment, I remember standing in these hospital rooms, going to help them. These, these are the hockey tears people talked about, okay? The whole hockey tear thing is like real hockey players cry, okay? There were tears of joy this past week, the cracking around the rise. But when I stood in those hospital rooms with people on their deathbed so frail, to encourage them, to pour the word of God, to, to read scripture to them, and they look up and they hold my hand, they pray, you feel that presence of the Lord that is so soaked in their life. Have you ever had that opportunity? Oh my goodness. There's nothing like it. When you get to stand next to somebody, be with somebody that, it's something that they would never tell you. They would never just kind of brag about it. But it's just that power of prayer in someone's life because the work of God in us is only possible through the power of God in us and this is through prayer. Throughout the Bible, this is what we've seen. When people found themselves in positions where they needed wisdom, where they needed strength, where they, 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 were, they were feeling down, their response was prayer. They immediately went to prayer. I mean, one of the greatest kings in the Bible, King David, he was a man of prayer. This is what he said in Psalm 34. He said, I prayed to the Lord, 
And he answered me. And he freed me from all of my fears. You got any fear that you want to get freed of? (laughs) He freed me from my fears. David went on to write, those who look to him for help, they will be radiant with joy. That's just like, right? Just radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, and David had a lot of desperate moments, not a perfect man. He's got stuff. But what did he do with his stuff? Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. He brought it to the Lord in prayer. Is what he said. In my desperation, I prayed. The Lord, he listened, and he saved me from my troubles. And these prayers are repeated. I mean, I could just, I could flash these all day and still not have time to put all, all these scriptures out. See, one of the key takeaways from reading the Bible is that nothing happens without prayer. Nothing happens without prayer. I mean, the greatest moments in the Bible. You know, Moses, he's leading the children of Israel in the battle against the Amalekites. What does he do? He lifts his hands in prayer, and Israel prevails. Hannah, infertile, infertile, and she prays for her son. And the greatest prophet in Israel's history, Samuel, is born. David prays as, he's, as he fights, one of his first famous fights, where he's, he's fighting Goliath. And as he's doing that, he's, he's praying and he's going, and he slings the rock out. And the Bible says, not to be too graphic today, but it actually cracked his skull. Powerful. When I get my slingshot, the squirrels laugh. <laughs> Jerusalem's under attack. King Hezekiah prays, and the nation is rescued. Peter's in prison for preaching the gospel, doing the right thing, and the church prays, and an angel shows up and walks him out. <laughs> These aren't stories, these are accounts of what happens when we pray. People are healed through prayer. They're fed through prayer. They're transformed through prayer. They're able to withstand difficult, life-threatening things where they're like, you know, if, even if I die in this moment, God's with me right here. And so, God, if you want me dead, I'm ready to be with you in glory forever. I mean, it's that whole aspect of what can people do to me? What can disease do to me? I'm with God. He's with me. That comes from a life of prayer. Talking to God, walking with God, listening with God. I mean, prayer was one of the standouts about Jesus. Even Jesus prayed, the Son of God. He prayed. And it was such a standout that the disciples, they took notice of this. And they took notice of it, not because it was anything new. I mean, one of the, th- one of the names that people often called Jesus was, they would call him Rabbi, that teacher. He was recognized as a great teacher, the way that he interpreted Scripture, because he was God. Prayer was nothing new to the disciples. I mean, every rabbi, every rabbi required that their students and that they pray three times a day, morning, afternoon, and then night. This was their ritual that, that they would pray morning, afternoon, and nightfall. So they, they were accustomed to prayer. They'd heard about prayer. They'd heard these amazing rabbis pray. But Jesus was different. See, for Jesus, it wasn't just a rote, it just wasn't just a ritual because the power is not in memorized lines, right? This is not like if we say the right thing, if we do the right thing, if we, you know, we kind of whatever, then, then things are going to happen. We're not talking about that. that. That's sorcery and witchcraft. That's, that's not of God. 
But what we're talking about is that when we pray, and Jesus even, he warned them about this because Jesus would pray and mighty things would happen and even sorcerers would say, can we buy this from you? Can we pay this from you? But Jesus said, look, when you pray, this is Matthew chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. He said, don't heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for the many words. Right? If I just say enough, if I just do enough. No, it's, that's not what we're talking about here. See, Jesus' prayer life, this was not about checking a box. There was, there was something deeper. There was a power and there was an intimacy that, they, that, that people they saw and they longed for. See, Hebrews 5 says that when Jesus prayed, he prayed often, he prayed regularly, and he prayed with fervent cries and tears, and often all night. All night. The Holy Spirit came up on Jesus and anointed him as he was praying. And in Luke 9, we have this this beautiful account of how Jesus was transfigured with a divine glory as he prayed. And it was so powerful that the disciples, they saw this connection between prayer and power. As I stated earlier, after Jesus prayed, powerful things would happen. You know, blind got their sight. Lazarus, he's back to life. We're, we're having lunch today, buddy. We're ready now. He prayed over food and it multiplied, I mean, time and time again. And if the importance of prayer wasn't clear enough in his example, when the disciples came back, from an assignment of Jesus, right? They'd watched him, they'd walked with him, they they were praying, all all this was happening. And they came back and said, Jesus, why didn't this work? Why weren't we able to cast this out from this person? Here's Jesus' response. Jesus' response was, this is only achieved through what? Prayer. (laughs) You guys, I, I love you, it's great, but it's about prayer. It's about laying your life. It's about giving it away. It's about walking in the power of God. See, Jesus taught his disciples nothing is achieved except through prayer. Not just saying the right words, but praying, giving it to the Lord. Now, why is prayer so powerful? Why is prayer so powerful that Jesus kept, he kept pushing and kept saying, no, do it. And, and we see his response in prayer. Well, It's so powerful because as we pray, we know God through prayer. See, our power is in the connection. Our power is in being connected to God. As we're connected to God, we're transformed by God. That's where the power is. It's not just in saying the right words. It's not in just writing a paper and putting it in, hoping to get an A-plus from your professor. Though I know many of you have prayed for that. I know I have. And that's good. That's good preparation. Study the word of God. Get it in. I often, I'll pray scripture. I'll have people pray scripture over me. Memorizing it, that is good. But it is not about just saying the right thing and then I get what I want. No, prayer is about laying your life down and saying, God, let your will be done. Let your kingdom come. Let your power be in me. Transform me and change me. And when we pray, we know God. We don't just know about God. When we pray, We know God. See, Jesus said that he came to earth so that we can know God, not just know about him. I mean, creation testifies to God. The Bible says that nobody has any excuse not to know who God is. You know, I was, I was talking with, 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 uh, with, with, uh, with, with, with Wayne, and I, and I talked about this, how uh, Albert Einstein is credited with, with saying that there are no coincidences, that coincidences are just God trying to be, be 
uh, being anonymous. And Wayne was like, God's not anonymous. <laughs> his, his, his handiwork is out for everybody. And the Bible says that. But see, when we pray, we know God. Jesus said this in John 17. He said, this is eternal life that they may what? Know, know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. See, knowing God, this is the key. And when Jesus talked about people being turned away from God, he pointed back to, I don't know you. They weren't walking with him. I mean, this scripture in Matthew 7, this, this should shake us all to our core from the standpoint of this is God in his great love revealing us and showing us truth. And this is the truth from Jesus. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said, look, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. He said, only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. See, Jesus, he's talking about, it's not just saying the right words. All right, Lord, Lord, yes, I believe in you, and then I, I'm walking over here. Jesus is the center of your life, but I kind of just come back whenever I need to feel good about myself. No, he's saying that when you call on the Lord, when you believe in the Lord, it means something different. It's not just saying the right words. And Jesus went on to say in verse 22, he said, On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, and we cast out demons in your name, and, and we perform many miracles in your name. But look what it says in 23. In 23 it says, but I will reply, I never knew you. And he says, get away from me, you who break God's laws. Wow. Can you imagine? I mean, I'm prophesying. I'm healing people. I'm walking out. I'm looking pretty good down here, God. People say I'm the best Christian they ever met. But see, you, you, you can't fool God. God's nobody's fool. Jesus is saying that when we when, he, when words are used like believing in him or knowing in him, these are words that talk about experiencing God, being surrendered to God, because anybody can say the right things, right? You get pulled over for speeding just saying, oh, officer, I didn't know, and I really wasn't speeding. I've never had an officer say, oh, okay, no problem. We'll just do this. Not that I get stopped all the time but I have. <laughs> and I've asked forgiveness and the Lord forgave me. Right? Because there's a truth here. See, when a Hebrew person like Jesus talked about knowing, they meant that you weren't just informed about it. Right? Satan's informed about it. Satan believes in God. He knows God is real. He's a, he's a, he knows that. But what they meant when the Hebrew writers talked about knowing, they meant you were experiencing it. That it meant that you were, uh, you were connected to it. That's what knowing means. And Jesus, he illustrated this in the parable of the Pharisee and tax collector. I mean, you read through the Bible, I mean, it's, it's clear. All these things are out. And in, the, in this parable in Luke 18, Jesus says this to explain this importance of knowing God and walking with God, not just having the right words. But listen to this. Luke 18, Jesus tells this parable to make it clear. He says, look, two men went up to the temple to pray. He said one was a Pharisee and one was a tax collector. 
Now, if you know the Bible going in, you know that the Pharisee, these were the religious leaders, right? Nothing wrong with leaders. But one of the challenges, not for all of them, but for many of them, is that they were just, they were leaning into the rules, they were leaning into looking good. Uh, the rules they were able to obey, they're like, these are good to obey. The ones they struggled with, they kind of shoved down a little bit, right? So they knew how to look good. Respect it, the Pharisee. Now, the tax collector, these were people that were, they, they, they were looked at, they didn't do anything right. As a matter of fact, they were often Jewish people who had betrayed Right? They, they sold themselves out, and not only were they taxing with the weight of Rome behind them, they were taxing a little bit more to give them some stuff. They were abusing their power. Tax collectors, when you talk to a Jewish person, were some of the most hated people because of what they did. So Jesus is saying, these two people are coming in to pray. And Jesus said, look, verse 11, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even the tax collector. And he said, look, I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all that I get. He's praying this out loud, praying this. And you're like, man, that's, that's a pretty good dude. That's a pretty good guy. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. And he beat his breast, and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Have mercy on me, a sinner. And then Jesus went on in verse 14. He said, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves, they will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exhausted. What was Jesus saying? He's saying, that tax collector... He's hungering for God. The Pharisee, it's all about me. Look what I can do. Look what I've done. I'm obeying this stuff. And I want all y'all to know. The tax collector, I'm not even worthy. See, the Pharisee was full of pride. Look at me. I'm better than all those people. Look at all the great things I do. Those who experience God would dare not stand in pride. When you see people that they experience God or they walked in, they're just like, God, who can stand in your presence? Remember, we experience God by giving our lives away. That's why pride is a sign of people that have not done this. And pride is the enemy of all of us. Sometimes it's hidden. Sometimes there's a false pride, right? We can get that false kind of false sense of humility. But pride is a challenge for all of us. That's why as it relates to this Pride is a warning sign. Proverbs 16 says pride comes before destruction. And then in the book of James it says that God, he opposes the proud. He'll have nothing, nothing to do with it. The tax collector came in humility because he was experiencing God. He, he knew he had to humble himself. And his humility, it revealed that knowledge of God. See, humility it's, it's a giveaway to those who really know God. That those who stand in the presence, those who hear his voice, those who are walking with God, they have a posture of humility. And I often go back to the dear saints, some of those who are not with us anymore, I'd walk up and I'd, they're praying for me as I come up and there's a humility in their life and there's a sweetness and I mean, it is like, man, thank you for being here today. Thank you, just being around them, you get that. 
I mean, this was even the posture of Jesus. All-powerful, king of kings, lord of lords. Handel wrote a Messiah about it, and it, it is one of the greatest works of art. But he is described as a humble king. His invitation was, take my yoke upon you, Jesus said. He said, let me teach you. Why? Because I'm humble and I'm gentle at heart. All-powerful. He snaps his fingers and it happens. You're, you're walking out of the grave. But he's humble. Now, why all this humility? See, humility positions us to be filled. When we're prideful, we're like this. I've got it, God. God, watch what I can do for you. Humility says, who am I that you're even mindful of me? See, proud people aren't listening. Proud people aren't responding to direction. Talk to any junior high or high school teacher. (laughs) Or professors, even. When you're proud, you're not listening. You're not responding to direction because you're out for yourself. You're trying to show what I got. That's why pride is one of, the, one of the top attributes of Satan. Now, conversely, Jesus is described as a humble king who laid down his rights. But see, this position of humility is the result of a life that is given away to God, and we keep giving it away every day, every moment in prayer, Boy, in the morning, just let that be your posture. When, when you get up, just saying, God, take my life today. I give my life to you today. I want to I walk in your power today. I want to be a part of whatever you want me to par- be a part of. Whether everyone sees it or no one sees it. I think that's going to be one of the great surprises of heaven. People that have done amazing things. People that have been a part of your life and you didn't even know it. People who were praying for you and you didn't even know it. And there's the spiritual reality of angels at war for you and you didn't even know. It's going to take an eternity to see what that is. See, our power is prayerfully giving up control of my life, placing it in God's hands, saying, God, take it. This is why I, I pray alone in the morning because I'm saying, God, take, take my life. Take it. I pray with my wife because I'm like, Lord, take our marriage. Don't let me mess it up. <laughs> right? I pray over my family. That's why, that's why we pray as a church. We have an amazing opportunity. The body of Christ, this was God's idea. This was Jesus' idea. He's the head of it. But if the body of Christ would come together and pray and seek his face together as the body, everyone doing their part, here's something the Lord's given me. I just want to throw it on the table. I want to bring it out there. And we pray together. There's a mighty force that the gates of hell will not prevail against. Everything that God wants you to do out there is only possible through him as we pray. Everything God wants you to do in your family is only possible as you give it away in prayer. Everything God wants to do in your life is as you pray. Say, God, here I am. Here I stand before you, God. See, prayer is about giving away control. That's why if we're not praying, we're not giving away our lives. I can't tell you how many times I've read or I've heard from people that they've gotten to their life and, and what's that thing you wish you did more? And they'll always say, I wish I prayed. 
I wish I prayed more because when I look back, I see. Stephanie keeps a prayer journal of things she's been praying for for our family or whatever. And every now and again she'll say, there's another one. I prayed for that 20 years ago. Or here's that. I prayed for this over here. Or I did that. And it is so encouraging. See, as we head into 2024, we want to begin by placing a priority. That's why we have this. And I encourage you, if you have that, just to take, take this out here. And as we walk through, you'll see the inside of it. We have a daily prayer focus for this week. Sunday, that's today. We're praying for consistency. Consistency. Ask God, help me be faithful and steadfast in prayer. Help me to be faithful in coming together and gathering here. We need each other. I need you and you need me and we need everybody in this room. And we need to be consistent because when God brings someone through that doors, I want them to meet all of you. They're going to meet Jesus. They're going to see him, but their roots need to grow deep in the body of Christ. That's God's plan. And God's plan is you. Be in consistency. Monday, repentance. Tuesday, intercession, praying for the Holy Spirit's strength to persist in prayer. Wednesday is evangelism, praying for boldness to share. These are things you can pray for every day. But God, as I'm walking out, as I'm in the store, wherever I'm at, help me to see. You know, evangelism isn't holding this, this terrible sign on the corner saying you're going to hell. That, that does nothing. We're in agreement on that, right? How stupid that is. Because it is. Because Jesus walked to people and said, hey, let's have lunch today. Hey, let's do this today. Let's walk through. Let's talk about it. I mean, meeting people, talking with people. I led a guy to Christ by looking down in the back of the bus and saying, man, those are the coolest shoes I've ever seen. Pull his earbuds out. What? I said, oh, dude, I was just saying, those, those are some great shoes. And the Lord opened the door. God will use Anything. Unity, that we'd be unified together as believers. Friday, praying for the gifts of the Spirit to operate in our lives. And Saturday, renewal, praying for a deeper desire. And then we have so many things here on prayer and fasting, how we prepare our hearts. On the back is prayer walks. This is just a simple guide for you to walk through your neighborhood, to walk through on your way to work, to walk through wherever it is, just to get in a walk. Some of you, your New Year's resolution is to take a walk every day. Make it a prayer walk. <laughs> Make it a prayer walk, wherever it is. If you're walking on a treadmill at the gym, make that a prayer walk on the treadmill, wherever you are. God, open my eyes to what's going on today. See, the Spirit is stirring and moving, and he's looking at, saying, Dwayne, will you wake up? Come on. Because I'm telling you, when you experience that, there's nothing like it. So our response to God's word today is, how can we engage in prayer? Sunday morning prayer 9.30, we're right back in this corner. And we're just praying. I'm not preaching. I don't even do most of the praying out loud. Come in. Pray for the gathering. Pray for me. Pray for whoever's speaking that day. Pray for the ministers of the church. Encounter, first Sunday of each month. That's tonight, 2024. Join us in the chapel. This is our encounter acoustic band. We sing and we pray for one another. Over here, I had the staff. I brought the staff in this past week. And it says under praise because we wanted a full one. But I had the staff go up, write out, what are you praying for in your area of ministry? We're going to be praying through that. Prayer walking that we talked about. Responding to prayer. Find a prayer partner. 
Some of you had a prayer partner for four weeks. Say, hey, you want to do it again? Or find someone new. Say, I want to pray with somebody else for four weeks. But respond. And our response today, as we do all this, on the night Jesus was betrayed, he got his disciples together. And he broke bread. So we're going to walk this through as a response to prayer. This is the prayer. Because everything is prayer. And if, if you weren't able to get one, if you can just kind of raise your hands. <clears throat> we have some wonderful people. But I'd like for everyone to take this. And you know, as the Bible talks about, it talks about in James, that as we do this, that we, we, we want to examine our hearts, right? Because this is, we're, we are receiving the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And one of the first things that we do is a confessional prayer. The Bible says, Confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. <laughs> so as you're holding that today, I want to pause for a moment to give us all an opportunity to confess. Sin is just any area of our life that is out of alignment. Not because I'm super prophetic, but I can just tell you, none of us are in perfect alignment. Because <laughs> you hit bumps in the road and there went that tire. This is getting it fixed. God forgive me. You got something of alignment. You got some anger and some things. Some things kind of touching you, and there's some anger rising up within you. Not a holy righteous anger, just an anger. <laughs> I'm gonna pause for a moment as they just play quietly behind us. Confess our sins, and you may need to turn to the person next to you and say, "I'm sorry," <laughs> and confess it to them. Let's just take a moment to confess our sin and to receive forgiveness from the Lord. Mm. Father, we thank you because you are faithful and just to forgive us as we confess. You give us beauty for our ashes, the things we burned up. And God, when we're fearful, your promise is to come in with strength as we give it away. So just, just continue giving that away. Father, we give it to you, our anger, our fear, our pride, our anger at somebody else for the stuff they did. We give it to you because you're you're the only healer. You're the only provider. You're the only one that can take this. <laughs> and we recreate it and make it. And what the enemy would try to bury us with and condemn us with, you didn't come to condemn us. You came to reveal. And as we give it to you, confession to you, Lord, your, your word says, as far as the east is from the west, <laughs> they never touch. So have you removed our sin from us. Amen? So have you removed. So Lord, day by day, moment by moment, we will not give up. We will not grow weary doing the goodness of God. But we give it to you. And Lord, I pray for those today, Lord, in this confession moment, maybe their thought was for somebody who's not here today. 
And now they've got to take a bold step of obedience. I pray for them, God, that you would help them as they go to that person that they need to say, I'm sorry, would you forgive me? Help them, oh God. And then help us to be empowered by you, Lord, to, to walk away from that and to walk towards you, walking in alignment. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. The Bible says that on, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he knew it was going to happen. He knew who was going to do it. And he even gave him a chance. But on the night he was betrayed, and as they're eating, he took the bread and said, I want to show you something. Every time you see this bread, it's going to remind you. He, he took the bread and he broke it. If he would take the cup and just flip it over and just pull out this little wafer that represents that. And one of the things that, that I, I always do, Jesus is calling right now. Um, one of the things I always do is I like to break it because it reminds me his body was literally broken for you. Not a bone was broke. Fulfilling prophecy, but his body. Can we give the Lord thanks for that, Father? We give you, Jesus, we give you thanks that you took something that I couldn't even take, something I couldn't even pay for. I was in a debt that I couldn't even begin to repay because we don't have it. But you were broken for my sin. So Lord, I give you thanks. Thank you for what you've done, what you're doing today, and what you are going to do tomorrow. And we receive this now with thanks. Would you receive this with thanks from the Lord? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And if you just flip the cup over. And then Jesus, he took, took the cup. And he looked at his disciples and he said, look, this represents my blood. See, sacrifice and the element of sacrifice and element of animal sacrifice, again, just like prayer, is nothing new to the disciples, but Jesus is saying, no, this represents my blood that's about to be spilled. It's going to be horrific. And I'm doing it for you. But now, your soul will be saved. That part of you that was made to live forever with God. And he said, even by my stripes, you will be healed. You will be healed. You will be restored. And the power of God, as you surrender, as you give it away to the Lord, the power of God will now be in you so that as you walk where you walk, his power will be in you. His work will be alive in you. And it's all because of what he did. It's a physical representation of a spiritual reality, which is the greatest. He said, so every time you drink this cup, every time you eat this bread, don't forget. Because we forget. Pain makes us forget, right? When the answer to the prayer takes some time of prepping us, we forget. So easy to forget. (laughs) That's why he said, every time that you eat, every time you drink, don't forget. I'm with you. I'm with you always. So, Father, we thank you. And we pray for healing for those that are in need of healing today. Lord, I pray for Don Campbell, my brother, back there, walking with you, praying for so many others today. Praying for myself today. Praying for family. Praying for my mom and dad. Praying for people in the community that 
They're so confused. Maybe they've been hurt by the church or maybe they've, they've heard lies that the enemy is trying to make them believe about who you are. Lord, heal our neighborhood. Heal our families. Heal our nation. Heal our world. And Lord, your answer to us is, I am. I'm going to do it through you as you give it away, as you surrender, as you walk out listening to me, being filled with the power of his spirit in us. So Lord, fill us. Amen? Fill us. Empty us of everything that's not of you and fill us, oh God. And we give you thanks in your name. Let's drink this cup today. Mm. Wow. Amen. Can we stand together? Father, we give you thanks. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you everything, oh God, because you alone are worthy. So God, we thank you that you are mindful of us and that you are walking with us and that as we pray, we experience you. As we lay our lives before you, we experience you. So Father, we pray for those that are in need of salvation. God, let this be the year of salvation. Let this be the week of salvation. God, I pray that blind eyes will be open. Lord, that those that are dead in Christ would come alive. Lord, that you would do your work in us that we would, we would not be insecure by thinking of us, but that we would be secure and strong and confident, knowing that I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God, and that you are in me, and that your work is to do even greater things as I surrender it to you, Almighty God, King of kings, Lord of lords, the great I am. We give you all praise. We give you praise. Let's give the Lord praise this morning. We give you praise, Lord. We give you glory, God. We give you honor, O oh God, King of kings, Lord of lords. We give it all to you. Do your work in us. Be in our family. Be in our lives. Be with us. God with us. And everyone said, amen, 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 amen. It's almost a clap, isn't it? It's kind of, kind of grand away. So. so now, here's a response. Prayer without ceasing. Let me encourage you. Join us tonight at 6 p.m. It's one hour. We're going to be back in the chapel. We're going to be praying over the ministries. We're going to be there praying with one another, for one another, with an amazing, just a worship team that comes in, and we're just in a circle, and we're experiencing God. We're praying for one of God. Join us there. We have so many opportunities. They're all laid out. Be praying with your family. Be praying with your spouse. Be praying with people around you. Live this out. But here's another thing. Let me encourage you. Tell the story. When, when God's doing something in your life, encourage those around you. Find some way, fill it, do something really big and fill out a connection card and let us know what's going on. Find some way, share it, share it, amen? This is our, our, our benediction, benediction. Let's say this together, and it's right at noon. Our benediction today, I've got it memorized, but you guys don't. Or do you? Maybe you do. But I'll wait. Do we have the benediction? It's written hearts. I'm going to go for it. Let's see how you do. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Now go and live for Jesus. God bless you all.